Good morning, church. My name is Peter. I hope you're having fun because we're having fun here today. And I'm so excited to be able to share this message with you. I want to start by just asking you, what is something that you are confident in your ability to do? It could be something as simple as just being able to hit a nail with a hammer and you just are so confident in your ability to drive that nail down into the piece of wood. Uh, Maybe it's that you're confident in your ability to play a killer game of Tetris. I know that I can play a killer game of Tetris. Uh, Maybe you're confident in your ability to be able to crochet or knit a blanket. To you, no problem. You can do it. Uh, Maybe if you have a ball and a crowd of people, you know you can throw together a pickup game of soccer. You are very confident in your ability to do that. I know that there are some people out there and you are confident in your ability to cook your favorite meal with two kids hanging off of you as you're fighting a mild fever and you're running on only three hours of sleep. Okay, that was probably somebody this last week. Are you confident in your abilities? There's something that each of us, we know that we're able to do. Uh, Maybe you're confident in your ability to plug in a USB device the right way, the first time, every time. I don't know if anybody is that confident. Okay, let me switch it on you a little bit. Uh, Who are the people that you are confident in? Maybe you don't have the ability, like for myself, I am not very handy. I'm not very confident with a hammer or a saw. But I know people who are confident, and it's great to have those people around. Who are the people that you trust to drive your car or to watch your kids? Are there people in your life that you're blessed to know that you are confident in their abilities? When you don't understand algebra, you know you can go to them and they are going to be able to help you out. Whether it's somebody younger or somebody older, it's great to have people who you're confident in, that they can help you change a flat tire, or they can help you log into Zoom, or they can help you set up your online banking or fix your leaky toilet. You know, for me, uh, I don't have confidence in certain areas that my wife excels at. And it's great that I can have confidence in her ability to take care of some of those things. And so uh, there are people who are confident in their own abilities. And each one of us have things that we're confident in our ability to do. And then there are people who are confident in the abilities of others. And we have these people around us. And then there are people who are confident in God. Have you been blessed to know any of these types of people that just have this strong confidence in who God is, that they really believe that God hears their prayers and answers their prayers, that God is with them, where no matter what is happening in the world around them, they are so confident in who God is. Have you ever known anybody like that? Maybe it was your grandma. Maybe it was your aunt or a parent. Or you were able to grow up kind of seeing someone around you who had this confidence in God. Well, sometimes my kids surprise me with their confidence in God. It comes out in how they pray their prayers. 
in the words that they use when they're talking about God. That they are so confident that they are heard, so confident that God will not let them down. You know, sometimes kids have a perspective of trust that we don't always have. You know, I have heard some prayers from some four-year-olds that have challenged my faith because they believe what they're praying. It's incredible. Well, I remember when I was a kid, I used to be babysat by a lady that I called Nanny. And I was at Nanny's house one day, and and Nanny would always tell me this story about when I was just a a really little kid. And I was playing in her house, and do you remember uh, those giant metal tables that they used to have back in the 80s, where they were incredibly heavy? They're just these monstrosities with folding legs. And I was playing underneath one of these tables, and the legs folded in, and the table collapsed on top of me. I am just a little kid. And so Nanny hears this big crash. She comes running in to check on me, and I'm fine. And she says, Peter, what happened? And I said, the angels protected me. Man, I think about that perspective that I had as a kid, that confidence that I had, that God had protected me, that he had sent angels to protect me in that moment. And man, that challenges me now because when I am facing difficult situations, painful moments, I don't always have that same perspective of confidence and trust. And so my question for us today is, how can we be a people who have confidence in God? How can we be one of those people who are just rock steady, no matter what's happening around us, where we just have this great confidence in God, where we see our confidence increase? How can we have confidence in God? Because nobody wants to be shakable. Nobody wants to uh, fold when things get hard. Nobody wants to worry or be afraid about tomorrow or what's coming next. We want to be confident people. How, How can we do that? Because the Bible is full of examples of people who have great confidence in God. We see it in David as he's just a young teenager. And he's facing off against Goliath, the giant warrior. We see it in Daniel as he's being led into the lion's den. And the confidence that he has that God is with them, that God will protect him. We see it in Esther as she's standing before the king, waiting for him to lower his scepter, as Pastor Jan shared last Sunday. We see it in Peter as he steps out of the boat and walks on the water to Jesus. How can we have this type of confidence? How can we see our confidence increase? Well, today I want to look at together uh, at the story of Peter and how he gets out of the boat and walks on the water. And so I want us to to look at this together, and we're trying to answer the question, how can I have confidence in God? How can I have that sort of confidence in who God is? And so we're going to look together at Matthew chapter 14. So if you have a paper Bible that's sitting nearby that you can grab, you can go ahead and do that. 
Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Maybe you've got a Bible app on your phone where you could just load that up. It may be as simple as just opening another browser tab and, and adding a Bible there. We're going to Matthew chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 22, and I'm going to read from the ESV, the English Standard Version. But first, let me give you a little bit of context about what's happening uh, in this chapter. It begins with John the Baptist being executed. He is beheaded. And this news comes to Jesus. And this is Jesus' friend. This is Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. And Jesus hears about this, and so he withdraws to a desolate place. You know, there's crowds of people that have been around, and he's been ministering to them. And he gets this news, and he just wants to have some time to connect with God. And so he and the disciples, they get in a boat, and they sail across the Sea of Galilee. And they go to this desolate place. But the people, the crowds, they watch where Jesus is going, and they follow along on the shore. And so when Jesus gets to the other side and they arrive at their destination, there's huge crowds there waiting for him. And Jesus has compassion on them. And Jesus heals them. And he spends the day ministering to them. And then at the end of the day at supper time, nobody has brought any food. And so Jesus does this great miracle where he ends up feeding 5,000 men and their families. And so everybody is fed, they're stuffed, they're loving it. They're so excited that the Bible tells us that the crowd wanted to take Jesus and make him their king. That they wanted to take him by force if necessary. And Jesus knows, okay, this, this cannot happen. This is not what's supposed to happen next. And so he dismisses the crowd and he cannot have his disciples with the crowd. I mean, they're just going to take this and run with this. They're going to try and make Jesus king. So he gets them all in a boat and he says, sail to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus dismisses the crowd and he goes up the mountain to finally have some time to pray and connect with his father in heaven. And that's where we pick things up right now. You should be there. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. And let me read it to you. It says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came... He was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. The disciples are sent on a clear mission from Jesus. Jesus instructs them to get into the boat and to sail to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And so they get into the boat. It's sometime after dinner. It's probably before dark. They get in the boat and they start sailing out into the water. But the Sea of Galilee is uh, very far below sea level. And uh, in the evenings, it's common for a wind and a storm to suddenly swoop down onto the Sea of Galilee. And this wind comes against them. And they find themselves being beaten by the waves as they're in the boat trying to fulfill what Jesus has asked them to do. And today I want to talk to some people who are like the disciples. You know that you have a mission from Jesus. 
that Jesus has asked you to do something. That Jesus is saying, I don't just want to keep you where you are, but I want you to go over here. I'm trying to take you over here. That you're on a mission from Jesus. Now, if you're not on a mission, if you don't know what your mission is, hey, that's okay. Stay close to Jesus. He is the one who gives our life purpose. As we follow him, as we read his word, as we listen to him, we begin to understand the things that he's asking us to work on, the things that he's doing inside of us, where he's taking us. And so the disciples, they are on mission. And I want to just take a moment to talk to some of you. You're on a mission. It's for your life, for your family. Maybe it's your company or your team, your small group, your Bible study. And you're trying to go somewhere. There's something that you're looking to accomplish. And you know this is something that God has asked you to do. And yet you find yourself in a boat with the wind against you, with the waves against you, where things that you thought were going to be easy have ended up being incredibly difficult. The Sea of Galilee at its widest point is about 11 kilometers across. On a clear day, you can sail across the Sea of Galilee in about two hours. And yet the disciples, they set out after dinner, they get into the boat, and the Bible tells us that by three in the morning... They have only made it about five kilometers out into the Sea of Galilee. And so they have been rowing the oars for about eight hours at this point. And they've only been able to get five kilometers in that time. Because the wind is against them. The constant pressure of the wind, as you can't use your sail... When the wind is against you. And so they've got their backs being put into it. And they're straining at the oars. Hour after hour. And I think that this is some of us right now in this season that we're going through. That I know that there are people and you have been looking for work. You've been looking to get a job. You've been putting yourself out there. You've been applying. You've been knocking on doors. And it just seems like everything has been closed. Everything has been shut up. And you haven't been able to find what you're looking for. You're trying to do what Jesus has asked you to do. You know, I know in this season that some of you, it's just you and your kids you're trying to be the mom and the dad. You're trying to provide for them. You're trying to make sure that they have everything that they need. But you're tired. You've been straining against the oars. The wind has been against you. The waves are beating at your boat. I know for myself, I'm trying to do my full-time job and also be some sort of teacher's assistant that's making sure that my kids are doing everything they need to do for school all at the same time. And it hasn't been going the way that I thought it might go. It can be challenging week after week. As the disciples, for them, it was hour after hour in the boat. I know for some of you, you're just trying to stay afloat. You're just trying to meet your needs. Just make sure that you're giving your family everything that they need in this time. You're just trying to not sink in the storm. The disciples, it's three in the morning, and they still haven't made it to their destination. But I want to show you 
this next part. Now, this is a historical event that is recorded three different places in Scripture. We see it in the Gospel of Matthew. That's our main text for right now. Uh, And then we also have it recorded in the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of John. And it's the same moment, the same day, the same time, but each of these uh, accounts gives us additional details that helps us to fully understand what's happening in this time. And so I want to take a look at Mark. This is Mark chapter 6, verse 48. And I want you to see what happens next. It says, and he saw, this is Jesus up on his mountain as he's been praying. He saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. Okay, I want you to notice two things in this verse. First of all, Jesus saw them, and then Jesus came to them. Jesus saw them after the news of John the Baptist's death has reached him. After he just wants to be alone, but he spends the day ministering to people, healing people, feeding the crowd. And then he goes up on the mountain and he spends the night just praying and talking with his father. And yet here is Jesus on the mountain and he's still keeping an eye on the disciples. He sees them right where they're at. Whether he sees them physically or he sees them spiritually, but Jesus sees them where they are. And when Jesus sees where they're at, at three in the morning, it says it was the fourth watch of the night. In Roman military time, that tells us that it was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. But Jesus sees them where they are. And he climbs down the mountain to the shore. And Jesus walks out on the water the five kilometers to where the disciples are. He comes and he meets them. And here is what I need you to hear today is that Jesus sees you in your boat, your company, your team, your job, your family, your Bible study, your small group as you're there. And you're just trying to accomplish the mission. You're trying to do what Jesus has put in your heart to accomplish. And Jesus sees you. And Jesus doesn't just leave you where you are. He comes to you. And if you are a follower of Jesus, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, then I want you to hear that Jesus is with you in this moment. That he will never leave you or forsake you. He has always been there with you. But maybe there are some people who are listening to me today. And you're like the disciples. You're in the boat And you're a long way away from Jesus. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you recognize that you are not in a a right relationship with Jesus. Jesus meets the disciples in their weakness, in their tiredness, in their weariness. He comes to them. Do you see that Jesus initiates That we don't have to come to him. He comes to us. You don't need to find Jesus. Jesus finds you. He meets you in your need. He finds you in the boat. He walks out to you on the waves. That there is nothing that can stop Jesus from getting to where you are. Jesus sees them and Jesus comes to them. 
on the water. And I love the very end of verse 48 in Mark 6 where it says, and he meant to pass by them. And this is such a cool moment because we see that Jesus is doing the impossible. We know it's impossible to walk on water. Any of us can walk on frozen water. None of us can walk on liquid water. And so here is Jesus, and he's doing the impossible. He's walking on water, a five-kilometer trek to where they are. And Jesus is showing his divinity, that he is God in the flesh. And he's the one who can tread on the waves. And it says that Jesus meant to pass by them. He's trying to give the disciples this incredible moment to see that Jesus truly is the Son of God. That he is the one who can walk on the waves as he walks past them. And in the Old Testament, we see Moses. And God hides Moses in the cleft of a rock. And God passes by Moses. And he allows Moses to look and just see his backside as God passes by, that Moses gets to see God's glory go past. And here is Jesus. He's doing the same thing for his disciples, allowing them to see his divinity. And look at the reaction of the disciples. We're back in Matthew chapter 14, our main text. This is in verse 26. It says, But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. So the disciples, they completely blow this moment. They do not respond to Jesus in worship and reverence, but they react in fear. They're terrified. And so Jesus, who's intending to pass by them, giving this amazing moment, instead he turns to them. He hears their terror, sees how afraid they are. The disciples seem to think that this is some sort of evil spirit that has come to torment them. I mean, remember, it's like three in the morning. They've been in the boat for eight, nine hours at this point. The wind is against them. The waves have been against them. And now they think, oh, no, what is this coming against us? So they miss the moment with Jesus. But Jesus does not pass by them. He turns to them in their need. And he reassures them. He says, take heart. It's me. I am here. It's me. Do not be afraid. Notice that Jesus doesn't rebuke the disciples. He reassures them. And I know for some of us, this has been a very scary time. There's been a lot of uncertainty. Even who do we listen to? And all the different voices that are out there. And people who are saying all sorts of different things. And what's going to happen in the future? And what's going to happen this summer? And things are opening up, but what does that really mean? And what am I allowed to do? And what can't I do? And it's easy for us to react in fear, to cry out in fear. 
And I want you to hear today that Jesus doesn't rebuke you for your fear, but he reassures you that he is here. He says, take heart. I am here. I am with you in this moment. It's not just you by yourself. I am here with you. And so you don't have to be afraid because Jesus has come to you in this moment. He meets you where you are. Take heart. It's me. Don't be afraid. And all of this brings us to this pivotal moment where Peter gets out of the boat and walks to Jesus, where Peter has this confidence where suddenly he recognizes it really, truly is Jesus. He hears Jesus' voice, and he ends up out of the boat walking on the water. I want to look at it together. This is in verse 28. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Peter recognizes this must be Jesus. I have heard his voice. It's Jesus that is out there on the water. And he says, Lord, command me to come to you and I'll come. And at the single word of Jesus, as Jesus just says, come. Something wells up inside of Peter, that confidence that he has to get out of the boat and to walk on the water, to do what is impossible. He walks out on the water towards Jesus. But then as he's on the water, that wind, that unrelenting, unceasing wind, the pressure of it for hours and hours as he's felt it against him, now as he's out of the boat, as it's just him on the water, the wind is too much. And he gets afraid, and he begins to sink. But he cries out to Jesus, and Jesus grabs him and saves him. You know, Peter is a great example for us. Because there is nothing special about Peter except that Jesus chose him. And Peter is such a great example because we see him have these moments of confidence, the great confidence to get out of the boat and be on the water doing the impossible. And yet we also see him have these moments of fear and doubt where he's sinking. And yet he knows enough to cry out to Jesus, Lord, save me. And Jesus is there to take hold of him. And I think that is so many of us. That is how we live our lives. We, we see these moments of great confidence, these moments where we're just ready to leap over a wall, to jump out of a boat, to do whatever it is that God's asking us to do. 
And yet we also have these moments of fear and doubt where we're sinking. And yet Jesus is there and his saving grace saves us, lifts us up, does not let us drown. When we cry out to him, he is there to save us. And so we see this example of Peter, that he gets out of the boat. He has this confidence in God. But as I have been studying this passage and looking at confidence and how we can have this type of confidence, as I've been studying this passage, the one thing that I haven't been able to get away from is this next verse. I want to take a look at this. This is uh, verse 32 and 33. And it says, And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Peter gets out of the boat. He walks on the water. And before he makes it to Jesus, he starts sinking. But Jesus is there to save him. And then when Peter and Jesus get into the boat, when Jesus climbs into the boat, the wind ceased. That wind that for hours and hours has been blowing against them, that pressure, that constant struggle that they've been facing, in a moment, it's gone. And the waves stop beating against the boat. The storm stills. And I've seen in my life that so often I have been guilty of putting the emphasis in this passage on Peter. On how Peter stepped out of the boat and on, on how Peter stepped out in faith, how he walked on the water, how he did the impossible. And so often in my situation, I'm just thinking to myself, that's what I have to do. I just have to have this big, bold act of faith, this grand gesture where I just need to get out of the boat. And when it comes to faith, so often I'm on the side of doing I'm always feeling that pressure of, I got to do more. There must be something I'm not doing. Maybe if I add a little bit more. Maybe if I just get out of the boat. Maybe if I can just take that risk. Maybe if I can just keep rowing and get myself to the other side. But when Peter gets out of the boat, it does nothing to improve his situation. The storm continues. The wind is too much for him. The waves, it's too much. But when Jesus gets into the boat, the wind ceased. And so what if the solution to your problem doesn't lie in you getting out of the boat, but on you letting Jesus into your boat? That it's Jesus, when Jesus comes into the boat, the wind ceased. Now remember, this is a historical event recorded three times in history. We've looked at Matthew as our main passage. We've jumped over to get some details from Mark. And I want to show you this next verse from John in John chapter 6, verse 21, where it tells us about what happens next. It says, 
Then they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. There's another miracle that happens here. Not only does Jesus feed the thousands, not only does Jesus walk on the water and meet the disciples in their weakness, in their need, not only does Jesus save Peter as he's sinking, but now when Jesus gets into the boat, immediately the wind ceased, the waves stopped beating, the storm is stilled, and the boat is whisked to their destination. Immediately, they arrive at the shore. What the disciples have been trying to do hour after hour, as soon as Jesus is in the boat, they arrive at where Jesus asked them to go. And what's interesting in this is when we look at this in, in Mark, it tells us this detail, that when they were on the shore, Jesus said, go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, go to a little fishing village called Bethsaida. And that's where the disciples, this entire time, they have been aiming for the little village of Bethsaida. They've been trying their best to get there. And when Jesus gets into the boat, they are immediately taken to the other side of the lake, but they end up in Gesenaret. And I think that there is a lesson here for us, is that the place that you have been launched out to the mission you've been sent out on, the place that you've been aiming for, where you're trying to get to, may not ultimately be the place that you get to on the other side. But what matters is, is Jesus in your boat? That if Jesus is with you, you're exactly where you need to be. So they were sent out to Bethsaida, but they arrive in Gesenaret, and Jesus brings them out of the boat, and they minister in Gesenaret. Now, what does any of this have to do with our question, how can I have confidence in God? Here's the key. Seeing Jesus gives you confidence in God. I want you to see Jesus in this passage that we've been reading. I want you to see how Jesus acts towards the disciples, what Jesus does for the disciples. And I want you by faith to see how Jesus is doing the same thing for you. That what he does for the disciples is the same thing that Jesus is at work doing in your life. Look at Jesus. See Jesus in this passage. He is the one on the mountain who sees the disciples. That Jesus today, he sees you right in your weakness, right in your weariness. As you're straining at the oars, Jesus sees you. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you need to know that Jesus is already with you. That he never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Do you see Jesus with you? Do you see him? But if you don't know Jesus, I want you to see that Jesus comes and initiates. He goes to you. Do you see him walking on the water that nothing can separate him from you? That he is right there meeting you in your need. Do you see Jesus today? 
Jesus is the one who in our fear, he speaks to us, he reassures us, he tells us, I'm here, take heart, you don't have to be afraid. I am with you. That when we see Jesus, we don't have to be afraid because he's with us in the storm. He is with you. Do you see Jesus today in your situation? When Peter gets out of the boat and he's sinking in the water, Jesus takes hold of him and saves him. And today, do you see Jesus as you feel like you're sinking, as you feel like it's too much, that constant pressure that has been against you, the the wind just blowing against you and you're sinking and yet Jesus is there. Do you see that Jesus has saved you? Do you see Jesus today? And when Jesus gets into the boat, the wind ceased. That peace that Pastor Michael was talking about today, that peace that we want to see in our lives. When Jesus comes into the boat, we see that peace. The wind stops. The waves stop. He stops the storm. And that storm that we so often see inside of us, that pressure we feel, Jesus is the one who stops it. Do you see Jesus in your situation? My question for you is, is Jesus in your boat? Because when Jesus gets into the boat, he whisks them to the shore. He brings them to where they need to be. And maybe you have been aiming for something. And maybe you've been trying to get somewhere. And maybe where Jesus is taking you isn't ultimately where you thought you were going to end up. But do you see that Jesus is with you? He's in the boat with you. Do you see Jesus. If we want to have confidence in God, it comes from seeing Jesus. Because confidence, confidence in God comes from either being like a child. Where Jesus says that we need to come to the kingdom of God like a little child, like a little four-year-old, like a little three-year-old that just trusts and believes, that in their innocence, they just believe, they just trust, they just know who God is. They give all of their trust, all of their confidence. But I know for so many of us, it's so challenging for us to put that hope, that trust, that confidence in Jesus because we see so much that's around us. We see the wind, we see the waves. But confidence comes from experience. Confidence comes from experience. I mean, think about all of our our opening illustrations. Whether you are confident in your ability to hit a nail with a hammer or play a killer game of Tetris, you're confident in your ability because you've had experience. You've hit a lot of nails. You've played a lot of pickup games of soccer. You've knit and crocheted a lot, and now you have that confidence. Well, our confidence comes from experience, and it's when we see Jesus again and again and again. When we take 
the pressure off of ourselves from the grand gestures we need to do, from everything we're trying to accomplish, that we're trying to get across. But when we see Jesus, when we see what he's done, when we see who he is, because Jesus Christ is the expressed image of the Father. And so if we want to see the Father, it comes from seeing Jesus, how he acts, what he says. And the more that we read and the more that we hear, our confidence and our experience that we have in Jesus is increased because of our experience. Do you see Jesus? Do you see what he's done? Do you see how he's at work even in the middle of this storm? Is Jesus in the boat with you? Maybe we get too preoccupied on us trying to get out of the boat when we need to let Jesus in. Recognize he is here in this moment. And so my hope for you today is that you would have confidence in who Jesus is, that the more you see Jesus, the more your confidence would increase. Because for myself, I know that every time I've slipped, Jesus has been there. He's caught me. I know in my life that I've seen him meet me where I am. He's met me in my weakness. He met me as a child. He met me as a teenager. He met me as a young adult. He's met me as a father of two. That Jesus Christ came to me. He found me. I didn't have to find him. And Jesus Christ today, he's come to you in the middle of your storm. He is here with you. You don't have to be afraid. So would today you put your confidence. Would you take that leap? Would you put your faith in Jesus Christ today that no matter what wind comes against you, no, no, no matter what wave is crashing over you, that Jesus Christ is here with you. Do you see Jesus? Our confidence comes from experience of seeing Jesus at work inside of us. When we cry out to him, when he answers those prayers, when he answers those prayers we haven't even prayed, Jesus is here. Do you see Jesus? Is he in the boat with you? Today I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. First of all, if you are not in a relationship with Jesus, if you do not know him as your savior, if you're like the disciples, you're in the boat and it seems like Jesus is far away from you and it feels like it's just you and it's not going the way you thought it was gonna go and you recognize today that you need Jesus. Jesus is the one who feeds the thousand, who walks on the storm, who stills the storm, who brings us to our destination. But the greatest thing that Jesus Christ has accomplished is that he died on the cross to take away your sin. And he rose from the dead. And so today we can put our faith, our trust, our confidence in him. And today if you recognize that you need to make Jesus your Lord, your Savior, would you just do something for me? Would you just simply lift up your hand on the count of three, just a physical response. Even though I can't see it, Jesus sees it. If that's you today, one, 
two, three. Just slip up your hand. Say, Jesus, that's me. Would you come and be my Savior? Would you come into my life? Would you change me? Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I need you. Like Peter said, Lord, save me. Today, right now, in this moment, I know that Jesus is there with you. He sees your hand. He sees your response. And Jesus has come into your life. He has saved you in the moment. It says instantly he took hold of Peter. Today, if you are a follower of Jesus, but you've been going through the storm, weak after week and you're getting tired and it's too much you're just trying to go where Jesus asked you to go but you're not making the progress that you expected and you recognize today that you need Jesus to help you that you need to have Jesus in your boat with you in this moment if you're saying Jesus would you come would you help me to put my confidence in you to put my trust in you Jesus would you help me to see you in this moment if that's you today, would you just respond by just slipping up your hand? Just one, two, three. If that's you, just raise up your hand. I want to pray for you today. Jesus, I thank you for each person right now. God, you see them where they are. God, you are with them. And so I pray that you would give them peace, that you would calm the storm inside of them, that you would strengthen their arms. God, that you would take them right where they need to be. Jesus, because you are with them. And I pray you'd open up their eyes to see you today, in this moment, at work inside of them. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Is Jesus in your boat today? Jesus is with you. He's here. Take heart. Do not be afraid. Jesus is with you.